We're all missing travel right now, but you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals and flights. And when you save more, you can do more. More wow, mmm, and yes! Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, visit Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more out of it. And don't forget to download the Priceline app for even more savings. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 73 of the That's So Mets podcast, and happy holidays to you all. And we are excited today uh, because we have Clem from Barstool's We Gotta Believe pod joining us for the entire show. So really excited to get Clem on the show today. As always, I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is Joe DeMeo. So... Buck Showalter introduced this week. A lot of excitement and um, not a surprise with Buck being introduced. So we'll get right into it. Clem, I spent my entire afternoon wrapping Christmas presents. This is the first year I actually tried. And I know as a dad, uh, I got to even ask, do you even bother getting in the Christmas present wrapping game? No, my wife, you know, before we had kids, my wife got to see my uh, Christmas present game up close and personal when we were dating and then married for the first few years. And she will not let me, you know, I don't want to ruin any memories before they even unwrap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Joe gave me the secret as soon as we got on today and was like, yeah, my mom wraps um, my girlfriend's presents and then my girlfriend wraps everyone else's. Meanwhile, I'm the sucker that sat in my office the afternoon and really gave it a go. This will probably be the first and last year so anyways while that was going on i had on the buck show walter presser which you know was classic buck i think he's been around long enough we knew exactly what we were getting he's honest he's raw he feels like he knows every member of the media by first name basis which was hilarious but what was just your overall thoughts of this you know long expected hire and really what did you think of today's introduction yeah, so, I mean, and by the way, I, shout out Joe, that is like the smartest thing Master I've ever heard plan. in my life, and I, I hate giving him any credit because he's a Cowboys fan, so I absolutely, <laughs> it, it, it oh, we're, we're gonna, that. we're gonna, we're gonna get into that, <laughs> I'm sure, um, but in terms of Buck, I mean, you know, I think the fan base, there was, you know, from what I could gather, the fan base was pretty cool with Buck, there was a few people who had, you know, some fair opinions about it, which, I mean, this day and age, it's amazing if anyone can get even close to being on the same page for anything, um, <laughs> But, I mean, I think that press conference kind of said it all. Like, I feel like we just have an adult in the room and someone that uh, is, like, beloved throughout baseball. It was, like, more so, like, the Mets fans, I think we're all going to have our nitpicks about anyone who's the next manager. Um, But he has the experience. And more importantly, like, all the other fan bases, for the most part, were like, oh, you guys got a good one. Like, this guy is, like, a... He, he, he just like I just feel at home. I feel at ease with Buck as our manager. I feel like I'm not going to have any 
DWI. We're not being laughed at. pictures. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to have a scandal. I'm not going to have LOL Mets. And that's all. I, like, the bar isn't very clear. It isn't very hard to clear for Buck. But, um, like, that's just what I feel. And we talk about it all the time on podcasts. Like, the manager's job, I feel, has gotten less and less important over the years as, you know, you go analytical and all that kind of stuff. And... I just need a guy that can manage a clubhouse, manage the New York media, and manage the crazy Mets fans that are all, you know, the sky is falling, even if we're up, you know, 10-3 to 3 in the seventh inning because they gave up a, the bullpen dare give up a run. I just need a guy who can do all that, and he has experience in New York. Sold like and, and and every like not only that but you, like you said I think I'm sure you guys saw the stuff on Twitter all the good stories you know that one woman I know said like I was like you know trying to save my unborn child's life and Buck's the first thing he says like you know can, can everyone just say a prayer for the family just like a, a good person that's that like the fact we have that and he's obviously a good baseball man and his name is Buck which I mean well we were saying this is the other thing we were saying, we were saying a guy named Buck that plays in like you know baseball like tire sales, right? Like there, there's not a lot of places where a guy named Buck makes you feel at ease, but a guy named Buck in baseball, I have nothing but faith that this guy is meant to lead the New York Mets. So I, I was happy with it personally. What I loved the most about today was he would, he did it, I think seven, eight or nine times answering questions and he just kept going. It's like, sorry, you got me going. Like this guy has that passion to do this job, which I think was probably one of the questions that people may have had, you know, he's six going on 66 years old is the passion to do this job as great as it once was. And I think after today, unless he's one of the best actors in the world, which I think is another funny point that he looks like who you cast to play a manager in a baseball movie. Like he just look, he just looks like a manager. But to me, I think it was just the, uh, the passion that really stuck out to me. And it was like, you know, he, he's going to say, you know, that he's going to work with the analytics team and stuff. And at this point, I guess we have no reason not to believe him. Uh, but, you know, kind of what were your takeaways on, you know, the passion that he showed? Because like you mentioned, like, obviously he's a good guy, all that stuff. But did that shine through to you like it did for me? Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. And, you know, it was like thoughtful, but like in, in depth. It's not just a BSer, right? And uh, you, you kind of feel like Buck, you know, he has like all that experience in baseball and he just said it like it is. And the, I think we were all, I think everyone, it's funny too. Like, I feel like anytime there's like an older guy, it's like, well, he doesn't embrace analytics. And he's like, Hey guys, like, and the Zach Britton thing, I'm sure that I feel like that was almost like his, like, that's going to be his flag in the, in the, you know, ground, you know, the old school guy, I'm going to save my closer to close the game. Maybe he learned from that. But I felt like he was actually giving answers. He was taking the questions, processing them, and then he kept going. And uh, the other that was the other thing on Twitter. You see all these things where he's getting along with the media. That is such an important thing here in New York. And people will sniff out a phony the minute there is one out there. And I was like, this guy seems authentic. You know what I mean? And I, I, I just cannot put into words how I just feel at ease right now. Even if I, and the, I think a lot of the people I saw um, who were even critics of the hiring – are like, all right, like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I at least feel at ease with him. And, I mean, that's that's all you can really answer. It's baseball. There's a million different ways. I mean, that's baseball, Susan, right? There's a million different things that can happen we're never going to see. But I think this guy in his heart of heart, like, believes in what he says. And I do think that he, he wants he, – I think he can make us a better team just by being Buck. So I, I love the guy. 
I also appreciated just how, like, the self-awareness. Like, one of the first things he came out and said today was, like, if there's anyone out there that thinks I don't take every bit of information as a competitive advantage, like, then they don't know me. So he's obviously heard the buzz that everyone's like, this old man is going to fight back against analytics. And, like, initially, that was something I was like, is he going to listen? Because we know this Met staff, I think Joe said it before, they have, like, 26 to 30 employees on the analytics staff now. Uh, they are going to heavily, heavily factor in any data, which is right, uh, for decisions. And, and you need a manager that at least is open-minded to doing that. So I came away from this presser today going, all right, I'm excited. And then my second thought is, too, and, and Clem, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think their way the, the way their offseason has gone, the guys they've gone out and signed, like how much of a hand does Buck really need in this clubhouse when you bring in Marte, Scherzer, Canna, Escobar, who everybody loves. I think they have understood that they needed new faces in there, veteran faces in there, and the same old young core over and over again didn't necessarily need to be blown up, but it needed some serious tweaks. Yeah, and I'm 100% with you, and that's a great point. And I do think, what was the thing you always hear about Buck? It's like, you know, he might wear on the young guys after a while. And Well, guess what? We're not going to be, you know, infused with young talent all, all of a sudden. I think this is going to be a veteran team. People talked about, I think, when the Dodgers ownership took over the team, which, again, Uncle Stevie wants to be Dodgers East, right? You know, you, you get the free agent signings, you spend the money up front, and then you then get those analytical minds and everything else to start, you know, making an actual pipeline from PSL to Flushing, right? We're going to actually have some, like, growth and some uh, minor league system we can be proud of. And, you know, there, there will be guys coming up, and I always lean on Joe. I'm like, Joe, is this guy going to be good? Is this draft going to be good? And I lean on him for all the young. But there's not a ton of, like, major league-ready talent. There's some, like, I think there's, like, the guys at the top, and then there's, like, a muddled middle. So I think Buck's going to, like, be great with this veteran clubhouse. And, I mean, for all the um, – for everything we heard last year about, you know, oh, they got along great. I mean, I think we've heard enough out of the clubhouse from the last few months. Like, it wasn't – I think people got along great with their own little pods that I think every company has, right? But to have a – you have to you know, almost have a clubhouse. And the fact that Scherzer, even though he's, like, the new guy, I like that he wanted Buck because that's the kind of, like, guy we need. I don't think – we've always talked – I mean, I'm sure we all watched the, the 86 Mets 30 for 30, right? It's like, we don't – I don't know if we have that Ray Knight or that Keith Hernandez, but I feel like we do have a manager that can, you know – you know, like kind of understands the dynamics of a clubhouse. And I think Rojas, I think he was almost put in a little over his head in terms of like managing all the different personalities, a huge new contract with a guy coming in from another team, uh, another city altogether, a smaller city. There were so many different things where I think Buck will be a little more ready for that. And I do think, like you said, that clubhouse, the best thing they could have done was get, you know, this kind of veteran leadership where it's like old guys that have been around. And I mean, I think at this point, everyone just wants to win at this point, you know, they're all going to make good money and they want to win. And uh, we'll see if they're ready for the New York East, but there's no one, again, there's no one I want, you know, leading this ship more than Buck at this point, who at least, I mean, he has, he has it with George Steinbrenner, you know, all the, uncle, everyone thinks uncle Steve is a big beast. He thought was Steinbrenner back when he was, you know, Prime. throwing ninety nine on the on the on the black, right? <laughs> Spot on. But Buck will be prepared for Steve Cohen. There's no question about it. Uh, and, and you mentioned you mentioned Max Scherzer, and uh, I appreciate, in a sense, that you said Scherzer this time. You said Scherzer for a while, which I kind of almost want you to. I want that to be your thing. Like, don't call don't call his real name. He's just Scherzer to you. But uh, talk about that weekend, you know, where it was. You know, rumor the Mets, you know, m might get him. They're, they made a contract offer. Like, then you go to sleep. 
because it hadn't happened and they were close and then everything comes together. Talk about kind of like your emotions that weekend because I know for me, I kind of didn't believe it was going to happen until it actually happened. I was like, we're getting Bowered again. That's just what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think we all kind of, that weekend kind of came out of nowhere, which, you know, usually we have our Raiders up on people. And by the way, I was I said Scherzer for an entire podcast, and I got so many like people being like, "You idiot!" Like, but this is New York. That's just what we do. We all, I when I say the word Mario, and then I get a thousand from the Midwest, and it's Mario. It's like, dude, that's just how we <laughs> talk here. I've never thought I'd have Max Scherzer on my baseball team, so I've always called him Scherzer since he was uh, a member of like the Diamondbacks or whatever it was back in the day. Um, but uh, that weekend. It like just snuck up and, and this you're talking to someone who was blindly behind Steve Cohen from the minute I like found I had to go on his Wikipedia and learned who he was because I didn't know who he was when Tiki Barber came out of no like that's another one that just came out of nowhere on us, right? And that weekend everyone was like throwing the Bauer stuff out and that like that got me to pump the brakes. And I have to admit, like, this is this was it. Like we started the this, the church of Cohentology. Uncle Stevie is our savior, he's gonna take us there. And my dumb brain, my dumb Wilpon ruined brain was like, oh, it's going to be Bauer again. It's going to be, you know, everything's going to fall apart. No, this guy wants to win. And if Scherzer was going to take the money, he was going to come. And Bauer didn't take the money, which was a miracle in itself looking back now. And my dumb brain should have said, Uncle Stevie's going to do whatever he has to do to get that guy here. You heard all this stuff about the West Coast and he, he didn't want to come here. We have to just get LOL Mets. We're going to have to beat it out of our head. So that weekend was absolute hell. It came out of nowhere. So I was staying up late. I'm reading reports. We're all seeing the same tweets and stuff like that. And um, I still, I honestly, I still can't believe it happened. I, I still can't believe Steve Cohen's our owner. And this, we've, this entire transition has happened where life doesn't really feel real, right? Since 2020, nothing's really felt real. So I still been able to just get to the ballpark for a few games and just live that life. Nothing about this still seems real. Max Scherzer wearing a Mets jersey the second game of the season isn't going to feel real. No, it's insane to even think that, I mean, they have someone like Max that isn't even going to be the opening day starter. It's truly absurd that that's where they are. And I'm with you. Like, the fact that it, it's it's finally settled in that you have an owner of the franchise that makes godfather offers, like literally offers that players cannot refuse. You're going to come, you're going to come here and... You know, and let's be real, they just don't feel like a low-budget franchise anymore that they felt like for so... You go to the ballpark, and there's Francisco Lindor, and obviously now Scherzer, and, you know, Marte, it's... I guess we'll go right there with Marte, because Joe and I always joke, everything happens so fast that... They went out and signed a player making $20 million a year. He's one of the most exciting players on the free agent market this year. And everything happened so fast, nobody even really blinked or batted an eye or anything. And I think this is such an impact move this club has lacked for, God, at least half a decade. A player in center field like Marte that can give them speed on the bases, gets on bases, played in the playoffs, and just opens up the their outfield entirely, honestly. Yeah, and I, I I remember we were talking free agents um, before, you know, it was probably right around the end of the season when we knew that playoffs weren't going to be in our future. And we were saying, like, who do you want? I was like, I, was like, I still really want Marte. And again, this goes back to where I was with Scherzer, but I was like, that's ah, not good. Like, we're not, the, we're not that team. We're not like the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the back in the day, the Yankees, who did the move that had to be done. But – I mean, how many times a year? You got to build up the middle. You got to get the catcher. You got to get the middle infielders. And then you got to get the center fielder. And it's just so, and especially in a ballpark like we have, 
And then they just did it. They spent the money, and my dumb Wilpom brain didn't think, you know, we would have gotten whoever the third best center fielder was. Same. Think about it. We were losing our minds over Jackie Bradley Jr. not coming here last year, right? And now we have the best guy on the market. And as a Nimmo, uh, like I'm, I'm the trust the Diaz and believe in Nimmo. Those are my two guys that I try to like rally the fans around because, you know, we have enough negativity in our lives. So I try to like juice up those guys. And I mean, Nimmo was getting better in center, but putting him in left now, and then if he does get hurt, we can kind of find an, a corner outfielder to fill that role instead of having to dig up you know, the Marisnicks of the world and stuff like that, and uh, hopefully the next Juan Magares, I just feel like everything's going to just fall into place now that, um, you know, Marte is in that centerpiece role. And, I mean, you know, a guy 33 built on speed, it does concern you, but, like, hey, the fact that this is, that's a good problem to have. Like, we have that guy there, and we'll figure out the other things. My guy, clearly, I think might be sleep. People are sleeping on him still, even though he struck out a million times his first season in the big leagues. But it's just so nice that we actually took care of a need that I feel like the Wilpons would have never addressed in this way, where it's like, boom, best guy in the market, he's gone. Center fielder, we got the best center fielder, and let's move on from there. Best uh, starter in, in, on the market, gone. Boom. And it's like, again, it, it, it takes a correction of our brains to realize – we are living in a different world than we lived in two years ago. We started this podcast, uh, that so Mets podcast, with an idea, and we did it kind of right before Steve Cohen bought the team. And the idea was, well, at some point this is going to change and we're going to look back fondly, or maybe not fondly, but weirdly fondly on the days of, like, remember when the Mets were a joke? Like, that was the whole premise of, like, the podcast name. But you mentioned uh, Diaz and trusted Diaz, which I- I've – I've spun Connor a little bit. Like he's not, he's not so much anti Diaz, but no, I'm right down the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're riding the fence. Where else is new? But uh, (laughs) but Clem's my VP. So Clem, everyone's mean to me on Twitter when I say nice things about Diaz. I'm sure they're mean to you when you say nice things. Tell the listeners why they should join us. Just listen to the song. I mean, if if Timmy Trumpet and Blaster Jacks can't get you hyped, nothing will. I, I admittedly like Joe, you, it's nice being like the VP. So you take most of the brunt of it. It all goes at you. And then they trickle down on me. Um, but then like, I mean, the home numbers were good. So then it became like, trust the Diaz or trust like the Timmy trumpets, trust Timmy trumpets. Cause once that music plays, it just goes to another level. I think his home road splits ended up being just like as crazy as they were. Um, I don't know, like at the last month of the season or whatever, but he was much better at home once it was all said and done. But the other thing is, this is like with all things in terms of baseball. At this point, everyone wants to be right. And there's always these like arguments. He's our closer, at least for now. Buck, maybe make a change, you know, down the road. Just like either believe in it or like just cry yourself to sleep every night because there's no way going around it. But if that music hits, you just listen to uh, Narco play. I don't know how you can't like. I, I remember uh, Feidelberg, a guy I work with. He, the first time I heard of the song, he goes, "That's a song where you hear on like you know a, a playoff run to the World Series. Like that's your closer. You gotta have a closer as that song. We have Mariano across town. All these years of Sandman. It's like if we could just get Narco to play in front of a full packed house with all the city field lunatics out there, all the Mets fans. We're gonna start feeling themselves with Uncle Stevie as their owner." That guy is our closer with that that electric stuff. You know, I, I didn't see a lot of him out in Seattle. Kyle, uh, our producer on the show, he's a third chair. Um, we got to believe 
he's like, dude, he goes, I had to watch every Diaz thing because he was doing our baseball social for starting nine. And he's like, that guy stuff is electric when he's on. And listen, I don't have to tell you guys, you know, his first year here was absolutely crazy. It was crazy for everyone. He knows he got traded for, you know, the chosen one, Jared Kalenic and all that kind of stuff. The baseballs were getting changed. There was a lot of things that went wrong that first year. But, like, I don't know, man. I just – it's all coming together. It, it, it's come together. We've seen him as good as he can be. But you also have to add in, like, the, our, our brains are going to say the Mets closers are never going to be good. They're never going to close it out. That's the old mentality. We're on to the new stuff. Uncle Stevie. Uncle Stevie brings in the right pitching coach, brings in whatever his favorite restaurant was in Seattle, whatever made it happen, that music, <laughs> all together. Just just believe in me. I don't know. I'm trying to make a case Mets fans to believe in Edwin Diaz after the last few years. It's a losing argument at this point, but just believe, because what the hell else are we going to do, right? You're absolutely right. This the... You know, this is a fan base that needs an infusion of optimism. And this is the offseason that if, if you're not excited now, like, just don't be a fan. Like, I don't know what to tell you at this point if you can't get excited uh, after what they've done this offseason. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. But I want to throw one at you, Clem, that really has nothing to do with what's happened recently, but what might lie ahead. And this podcast is a very firm stance on this question. Between Dom, JD, and McNeil, the three guys that are not only you know looked at as the previous core, but guys that have had success here, They've had lows here. They are an every trade candidate rumor article for the last four months. 
Who's the guy that you believe in the bounce back this year that you go, I'm not selling low on him, and who's the guy that just doesn't fit at all anymore? So I have to admit, I have like, I just have this, and I, this is funny too, because I remember when it came up, I was like, I'm not believing in this guy no matter what. He had a hot September in his cup of coffee. Next year, I'm not going to believe him. But I just, I don't know, man. It's something about McNeil. I just love the guy. And Same. He, like, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Like he's slamming his helmet on the ground. I'm slamming the remote on the ground at the same time. And he has like that, you know, that that, that work that he had. You know, the, the the just the history of it. So you're like, all right, he can do it. It was it was a rough year. I will say, like the fact him and Lindor don't get along. I don't love that. I don't love that we have a guy making a billion dollars at second for the next few years as well. But uh, I'm I'm a believer. I'm a McNeil believer. Uh, and then when it comes to the guy, I, I just don't believe in, I see all those numbers where him and Chris Bryant, like they're all their fancy numbers are like identical, but there's just one about like JD Davis feels like the old Mets kind of player where it's like, he doesn't fit anywhere, but he can hit. And it's, we're just going to figure him out. We're going to, you know, we would throw him in left. If it was the old, if it was the Will Pond Mets, like we did with Todd Hundley and we did with Lucas Duda, who, I mean, I forgot they did that, you know, Daniel Murphy. I just cannot like. I just can't deal with a guy that can't play defense. You kind of have to do everything in this new Cohen regime if you're going to have to earn a spot. So, um, I, and I'll be honest with you, Dom, Dom, I love Dom, and I think everyone, I think that's like the, the, the official motto of Dom Smith is "I love Dom" because I haven't heard one Mets fan not say "I love Dom." But like his his breakout season, his like good season, it was during the shortened year. Like I need to see a full season from Dom. I saw that out of McNeil in the past. I need to see that out of Dom. So. Um, McNeil's the guy I believe in, and JD. If I had to get rid of one, he'd be the first one to go, in my opinion. Joe, that's identical to where we're at, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're all about a McNeil bounce back, but I th- yeah, I would I would say that's right where we're at as well. Go ahead, Joe. I want to bounce around a bit, and I'm I, I'm not here to gloat about the Cowboys beating Mike Glenn, and that's <laughs> that's that, that's really not an accomplishment. But after all the Giants games, even though I'm not a Giants fan, I love watching the laps and and. Uh, the lap videos that you do and you always end the lap videos with the Joe judge standard. Can you please explain what the Joe judge standard actually is? So yeah, I know you like watching me run around cause it's after a loss and I'm ranting like a lunatic and my neighbor's like, what's that idiot doing in his yard? So that's why you do like, you're a sick man. Joe Mayo. Um, <laughs> so if you realize the coach judge standard, I probably haven't said that in like a month and a half. Now the coach judge standard used to be, it was after his press conference where he's like, we're going to, um, you know, bring it to the Northeast and the blue collar workers. Cause that's what it's all about. And it was always like such a, I always thought it was like funny. It's like Joe or uh, yeah. Coach judge, as I call him, I was like, like there's so many just rich white collar people around here who are just living off old money too. Like it's such like a typical, like stereotypical thing. I, I felt that he, he had that. So I always say coach judge said, we got to get better every day. And we, you know, it's, it's all for one, one for all, all for the team. And uh, then I realized Coach Judge doesn't know how to, like, manage basic timeouts that we learned in, like, you know, seventh grade playing Madden. So that's when I kind of have a hard time saying, you know, accountability. Coach Judge preaches accountability, and then it's the same guys making the same mistakes every week. And I'm like, all right, Coach Judge is standard. It's starting – I'm the only guy I feel like who runs laps anymore. I feel like the Giants don't even run laps anymore because it's <laughs> – you know, Riley Dixon punting the ball 30 yards, or it's the, it's the same guys. I mean, everyone not named Andrew Thomas blowing their assignments. Nate Solder is the worst offensive lineman in the league, and he's still starting every Sunday. So the coach judge's standard, I have to admit, 
made its way out of the videos if you realize the last few uh weeks <laughs> how, how how would you fix the giants so if you got to be in charge because obviously like are you keeping judge what are you doing at quarterback i know i'm sure there's plenty of giants fans that listen to this. oh yeah fire mm-hmm. everyone <laughs> that's i feel like that that's a common thread here is fire everyone i I, I'm going to sound like an absolute crazy person for saying this, but I thought the two biggest issues with this season, or I'd say, I guess three biggest, I thought that that spy that Joe sent up here, Jason Garrett, Colton plays on offense, <laughs> was our, was one of our biggest problems. The offensive line, uh, I guess it kind of ties in. I just think they had a little bit of like bad luck with health, too. Like They never had the weapons, and then the fact that you lost – um, Nick Gates, like th- other than Thomas, you couldn't afford to lose Gates and they lost Gates and then they lost Thomas. So that kind of made the off. And then Lemieux too. So and I'm, I'm by no means going to say Shane Lemieux was definitely going to be good, but if they saw something in Lemieux, I love Gates. And then Thomas, you had, that was three fifths of your line. Like I hurt your three best offensive linemen got hurt. And then Galladay could never get on track. Tony had this, like everyone compared Tony to Percy Harvin. And I'll tell you, so far, so good on that comp because he looks electric when he's on the field. He's always hurt, and there's always, like, a couple stories where you're like, oh, that's not great. So A-plus, and they both went to Florida. So A-plus on whoever made those comps to me. Um, but I do – like so that because of that, and, I, again, I'm – just like with Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo, I run the Daniel Jones hype uh, group for the uh, New York Giants fans, the Dan Wagon, I call it, just to kind of – because people, people were losing their mind that they didn't draft Dwayne Haskins for him. I think that was what everyone was so mad about. I mean, those people look pretty silly now, right? I remember Yankees fans were booing him before he got his first snap. So I said, listen, this guy's millions of people who hate him. He hasn't even played a snap yet. I'm going to ride for him. I I think Daniel Jones has shown enough stuff. So I'd, I'd give him a shot if he's even going to ever play again with this neck injury. Um, Judge, I'd probably would give Judge one more season. I know everyone's scared. I know everyone's scared because of the um, you want to get the GM and the coach on the same track. If the GM would give Judge one more year, if everyone stays healthy, and you know you have a coordinator come in and you, you build around that and you see what happens, you see what happens, Jones. And if it's another year like this year and like basically the last five years, gone. You start over, you start fresh. Um, and at that point, you are starting fresh with the quarterback. And I do think there's a GM who will see what he has with this team because i do think like i think and again people are going to him crazy i think this team could have been decent if they had a little bit of luck in terms of the health and they had anybody including the three guys on this phone calling the offense this year instead of jason garrett <laughs> i think it's totally fair i think the jason garrett hire just never made any sense i think they're you know what you're saying is almost like the situation where the Jets, you know, when Joe Douglas got there, it was like, new GM, we're going to give this coach one more year, which case is awful. Uh, we're going to give yep. Sam, you know, a little bit more time. If, if it doesn't work out, then that GM gets their own quarterback, their own head coach. Uh, and that, and honestly, the way the Maras operate, I, I actually think that's ultimately the route they're going to go. Yeah, and, and kind of, I, I imagine you might agree with me on this, too. Like, um, I, I, I didn't like the Shermer hire from the jump. I hated it. I, I, I remember totally. their interview. I'm like, oh, my God, no. And I was like, and I remember, I was like, oh my God, this guy is going to be our coach for another season before they just like, well, they lost like nine in a row or something. Yeah. But there was a, there was a moment against the Eagles. I remember where like Peterson, they ran like a, a punt and then they, it was like a, he, he basically tricked Shermer to using a timeout. And then he ended up like, ended up going for it. And then it was like, he completely outmanaged him in the game. And he had, and he had also proven that Shermer didn't know how to use his timeout. And I have to say, as a guy who wants to see Joe 
Coach Judge succeed just so then I could do my stupid laugh stick so I have something to do every single Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be tough because I'm telling you, between the timeouts and like the little game management things, I thought those were going to be the two things we would have buttoned up along with penalties. I thought those three things were going to be the things that Judge would just like – I could count on that every single Sunday. And it's honestly it's, – it's been the opposite. It's been a nightmare. It's almost like that stuff is the worst. I mean we get – I think it's like 56 nothing the last two minutes of a half every single time. So – there's a lot, a lot, a lot to um, fix for Judge, but I, I'd like to at least see him do it with like an actual full complement of a team. You know, I think the defense is fine. It's just the offense needs to get on track because once that falls apart, everything falls apart. Yeah, I mean, when you get a guy from New England, you expect the game management aspect <laughs> to be, you know, a strength. Honestly, that's been the most disappointing yep. part about Joe Judge to me is that I, I think that. Uh, the within the game management has been disappointing. The defensive staff is not a problem at all. The offensive staff can be fixed, can be flipped in one offseason. So, you know, it's just an interesting time with sports because you have the Jets and the Giants that aren't even in the hunt really ever at this point anymore. Um, you know, obviously I, I'm a Knicks fan, but, you know, the Knicks have been kind of disappointing this year overall. And you look at the Yankees. I mean, we, we try not to talk about the Yankees a lot on this pod, but they feel like their fan base is not only furious right now, but they're in this middle ground stage where they're, they're not going all in. They're still a good team, not a great team. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And I'm usually a kind of pessimistic while still being excited for the Mets every year. This is a legit chance for the Mets to actually, I don't want to say take over the town because that gets just worn out over and over again. But we're in a weird state where the Mets can actually matter the most they've mattered in probably 30 years in this town. I'm a hundred percent with you. And, and, you know, they, uh, I think Howie Rose brings it up. He's like, you know, there was a, it, it, it has happened before yeah. and it will happen again. And, uh, and I, I, I think Cohen does see that. And I do think that's a lot of these whispers about Bryant that I would, cons- I would compare it to. I remember when the Yankees, they spent all that money before 09, but then they got to Shara and they flipped him from the Red Sox. And it was like, and I remember as a, as a kid who grew up with Yankee fans gloating in my face, I was like, God damn it. They're going to do it again. Aren't they? And they only got one, but they did get that one. Right. And that like, I, I, they, so they knew that they were opening that stadium. They had a win in that new stadium and they did what had to be done. And I think and hope that Cohen is the killer we've heard about. And that's why I think whether it's Brian or they, whatever kind of move that they think could be like another, you know, when door size, like boom, you know, to kind of a big splash, even on Scherzer's, you know, angle. I think that's what I at least hope that's what they're looking to do once this damn lockout ends. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. You know, when this lockout ends, when you look at the roster, what are the holes that you see that you, you want to see filled? Like, do you think they need another starter? Do you want more in the bullpen? Chris Bryant, obviously, you mentioned by name, so I'm guessing he's someone that you'd like to add. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been, I, I was, I was skeptical about Bryant again. Kind of like with the the other two managers, when the A's and the Rays, when you're involved with those teams, I'm like, oh, those guys are good just because those teams are smart. And the fact that the Giants aren't, like, climbing over themselves to bring Brian back, and I read somewhere they thought it's, like, swing may not age well, so that can be some concern. But if, you know, I'm sure we all heard the, you know, maybe we'll be the new Nats where Boris looks to us to kind of, you know, get his guys, get some good money. If it could be a shorter end side, uh, contract but with, you know, big money in the, you know, up front, and he'd be willing to do that. That would be cool with me. And like they say, a year to a third, then they start moving him around the outfield spots. And that's why I kind of, I, I, I go to you, Joe. I'm like, all right, so when are these third base guys going to come up? And would that work with Brian? And if, if that's something they, they would 
consider, and then we get the DH as well. I mean, I, I just think there's like there's a, there's enough smoke that there might be a fire in terms of what I want. I'd like to have him, and then I mean, a rotation arm would be awesome. Uh, maybe I am being a little too like pie in the sky about Cody Carrasco being, but it's like he has a whole career. He had one nightmare season where everything was weird. Um, if, if it was a hamstring to start, you know, so it's like if we get him as the three, and this all is pretty, I think we can all imagine, like Jacob Durham has to be healthy. If Jacob yes, Durham that healthy, hundred percent, we're so screwed anyway. So who cares about all this? And then you know Scherzer's older, but it's like you know you start you start adding up all the names. You're like, all right, Degrom, Scherzer, Carrasco, you know Taiwan. If he could, you know, get stretched out after that year, and then you know the McGill Peterson and. Like we had said on my pod, Joe, like you've got to go eight, nine, ten because someone's going to get hurt in spring training. There's going to be some weird stuff. It's just how it is. But in terms of like, I don't know if, if we're going to really want to spend the rest of our money on you know an arm like that in the four in the three four slot. So I'd be fine kind of doing that, and then you know get a couple get re- like one or two reliable bullpens. The bullpens in that sense, it's a year by year thing. It's like a crapshoot. If if people knew what they were doing, the same bullpens would be good every single year. It's not really the case, you know. So. I'd go Bryant, maybe a bull, like one reliable bullpen arm because, I mean, we have so much money coming out of there between Familia, Batances, obviously we lost Loop, which was a bummer. Um, but again, that money towards Loop we can now put towards someone else. So I'd say one bullpen arm, Bryant, and, uh, you know, kind of can fill the holes, whether it's starting or the bullpen with, you know, signing Bryant, I think that makes JD uh, even more expendable. And, you know, whether or not they move a Dom or uh, 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 McNeil as well in the mix. All right. Episode 73. I always toss to Joe for closing thoughts, but Clem, I want yours as well. So, Joe, you first. Closing thoughts as we wrap up. The only news we're going to have in baseball, unfortunately, for a long time, Buck Showalter introduced as the Mets manager. No, I'm really glad that Clem took the time to, to join us today. I, I think it was a fun conversation, hit, hit a variety of topics, so really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone just has a Merry Christmas. Um, I don't have to say Happy New Year because we'll be back next week. But, um, you know, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday this weekend. Enjoy it. Be safe. Do all that fun stuff. And uh, Don't Clem, wrap after, presents, apparently. Yeah, don't wrap <laughs> presents. Just game the system. That's the way to get around it. And, uh Clem, when you're done with your uh, closing remarks, you got to hit us with, with, you know what you have to hit us with at the end. My sign-off? <laughs> oh, yeah, the sign-off. You have to get the sign-off at the end. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think you said it perfectly, Joe, but, I mean, it's been a crazy time, a lot of stuff going on, and it's the holidays. I don't know when this lockout's going to end, but you know what? I don't care when this lockout's going to end because we already got our presents from Uncle Stevie. We're going to get more. They're gonna. He's going to take care of us. So for once, Mets fans, and this is the optimistic. I'm usually the optimistic guy when it comes to being a Mets fan, which is almost an oxymoron in itself. But just enjoy this and just like try to put your mind into this new world. If that Max Scherzer signing didn't let you know that a new era is here, I don't know what to tell you. This is a new era. We're going to enjoy it. So just get excited for baseball season. And hey, if, if things go awry, we're not going to know about it till probably like Memorial Day at the, at the earliest. So just enjoy it. Have fun. Talk some trash if you want, you know, to your family members that you see at Christmas time. And just enjoy this, man, because this is, this is what we have been dreaming about once like that first rumor came out that the Wolfpons were, even before that, when we were saying sell the team and we were, you know, the billboards and the planes were flying with signs and all that kind of stuff and we were all saying it on twitter this is what we're waiting for so get excited because i'm telling you i truly in my heart believe this is the beginning of something like 
to someone special. This is going to be the thing we've been waiting for. So it starts now and it ends hopefully in the King of the Heroes and we're all hugging each other and pouring beer and champagne and punch and cake and everything. It's going to be, you got to believe. Gotta believe. I absolutely love it. You can follow him at the Clem Report from Barstool's We Gotta Believe podcast and all his Mets coverage over there. Clem, thank you so much. Everyone, we will catch you next week. Happy holidays. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dawes. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.